we're back for stage three of the Giro Rosa. Uh, I am joined once again by Lauren Rowney. Lauren, how are you doing today? Pretty good, Abby. Um, been busy with a bit of study, but then getting easily distracted by all the racing. <laughs> there is so much bike racing right now, and yeah. I am loving it. It's hard to keep track of Torino Adriatico. I feel bad for them. It's kind of like falls, falls a little bit to the wayside. It's in third place right now. Definitely. I mean, I would say the Giro is in first place, but we can't watch it. So, yeah, yeah, it's been uh, it's been difficult. I have to say, I think last year it was a little easier to follow what was going on. I have to admit. Last year, like they didn't have live coverage last year either, but they had immediately after the stage was over, they had an hour long highlights package. And this year it's a little bit like yesterday we got the highlights package, I think three hours after the stage had finished. So it's definitely Mm. not coming like right after the race ends. Yeah, which is, it's a bit tricky. And I think they did actually quite a good job with um, the highlights package last year. So even though we couldn't watch the full race, we had a very good idea of exactly what went down. But um, like you said yesterday, you just basically have to find the right people to follow on Twitter and the UCI Women's World Tour. They obviously have someone there tweeting. So I was following along um, on their Twitter account, as well as the Jura Roses actual official account, which is doing it in English and Italian. And, and look, like we don't want to constantly harp on the fact that there's no live coverage. Like we want to talk about the exciting racing and how strong these women are. And we want to talk about, you know, the race itself, but it's really hard not to focus on that there is no live coverage because it's 2020 this is the only grand tour that the women have and and I don't want to forget or look over the fact that there is no live live images of the race Mm. and I mean it is actually like a prerequisite of becoming a woman's world tour race to have a certain amount of of coverage available right so exactly it's it's in the it's in the women's world tour rules that if a race is world tour they are required to have live coverage of at least 45 minutes of the race so they the Giro Rosa I believe is citing the fact that because of coronavirus they had to change the dates of the race and because of that they weren't able to secure live coverage to that, I say bullshit because <laughs> there's so much history of this race not doing it. And because it's the only women's grand tour, quote unquote, grand tour, it means that they can get away with anything. And they got a will in a minute. We'll go into the gravel sector for yesterday that now a couple hours after the podcast went up, we were able to actually watch a little bit of it. And I have very strong feelings about it, but it seems like they got away with not having live coverage because they're the only women's world tour race. And that's, if it was, if it was another race, it wouldn't, they wouldn't have the status. So it's like, it's like I said, I don't want to talk about it every day, but it's hard not to. I think this is the conundrum around the Giro Rosa. And I was discussing this with someone else who works in media and, um, Basically, you know, we, we've said it before, it's it's one of those iconic races on the women's calendar and we all wanted to or want to race that race. 
Um, and teams will keep showing up and teams will keep trying to to get places and spots in the race because of the history behind it. And so it's almost like they do kind of get away with it because they know that teams will just continue to show up. But, I mean, if all teams decided to, to boycott it, for example, and say, look, we're not going to show up to this race until you offer the same standards as, say, like the Women's Tour of Britain, for example. Um, Actually, interestingly, after yesterday's stage, a few of the riders who will remain nameless wanted to boycott the race because of how dangerous the gravel sector was. Yeah, and I mean, rightly so, right? Um, If this was a men's race, we would definitely be hearing all about it on Twitter and the CPA would be harping on about it. Um, But again, we couldn't watch the race live, so it's not like people really saw it until after the after the fact. And I didn't, don't know, did teams even get a chance to recon this part of the course? I know that Canyon SRAM reconned it um, about a month ago, and the, the condition of the road would have been a lot different back then, like we were talking about yesterday because of the weather. And they, yeah. pre, they wrote it before all of the really hot days came in, in Italy. So it was a completely different situation for the gravel, but even then it was still not great condition. And we saw yesterday on the highlights package after the race ended that it was unbelievably bad. The gravel was super, super thick and deep. The riders were trying to ride up these super steep climbs and Annemiek Van Vluten had to walk her bike at one point because she slipped in the gravel. There's all of these pictures coming out of the race of the girls walking their bikes. I was talking to one of the riders who was in the caravan yesterday and the team cars kept getting stuck in the gravel and kicking up rocks into the riders. And the worst part the worst part, Lauren, is that the women's representative of the CPA, the new women's CPA, like, section of the CPA, was at the race. No. Yes. And we've heard nothing from them about how horrendous the conditions were. And someone asked me on Twitter, what do you think of Meek Van Vluten complaining about the gravel? And I said, it is absolutely warranted. That should have never been in a race. And when we were talking about it yesterday, we didn't know how bad the gravel was, but you can, it's obvious in the, in the race replay that it is such bad condition of gravel. It's just so bad. Like, my mind is boggled at how this was allowed into the race. I mean, it makes sense now why the time gaps were so I feel bad. like it wouldn't have been allowed in a men's race, right? Like, if it was the men's juror, there's no way in hell that would have ever been included. No, absolutely they would have, not. would have changed the course for sure. Yeah. Um, but that we could have a whole podcast on that, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but I'm really glad, to be honest, that the race was – so hard that by the time they hit that sector it was in pieces and we did mention that and one of my friends from Australia actually texted me and said how crazy was that gravel sector can you imagine if a full peloton had come into it yeah definitely gas yeah I mean it was a way safer the way that the race had already imploded by the time they hit it and it was um I have to say I really did enjoy um watching Anamique attack on that section. Yeah. And um, Cecile put in a pretty good effort to stick with her, but obviously the tempo Anamique was setting was just a bit too much. But she had a decent crack there. Yeah, she did. She did. I mean, she's riding really well. And 
and we can get into today now. So today was a little bit calmer than yesterday. I think everybody was feeling the effects of yesterday's effort. Um, we heard for all, from all three of our dire, diarists yesterday, and they all sounded so tired when they were recording. So it makes sense that today, Day two. <laughs> yeah, today was a little bit chiller. Um, it was really, really calm for, for the first like 70K of the race. There was a lot of climbing in the race, but they ended up actually having to take out one of the climbs because of road damage. And so it ended up that after 70K, the road kind of flattened out and the race really calmed down. There was a few attacks, but nothing stuck. Everything stayed together until one kilometer to go when they hit the final climb. And the final climb was maximum 16% gradient, um, which was tailor-made for Mariana Voss, one of my favorite riders. <laughs> She's just so classy. So the first person to attack at the bottom of the climb was actually Elizo Longa Borghini, who lost the pink jersey yesterday by over four minutes. And she wasn't able to hold on to Voss's wheel once Voss took off, but she did manage third place. Cecile Utrecht-Ludwig, who also had an incredible ride yesterday, finished second. And Annemiek van Vluten, who didn't want to follow the attacks on the climb and kind of just held a, held a steady pace up it, still finished fifth place. And Anna van der Bregen finished in seventh and gave four more seconds to Annemiek van Vluten. So even though Annemiek van Vluten finished fifth, she still has a very, very big cushion in the GC going into stage four. Lauren, what do you think? What do you think of Voss winning here? I mean, she's one of my favorite riders too. And like you said, that, that finishing climb had her her name written all over it. I think she won on a similar sort of climb last year as well when she won four stages, was it? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was uh, Voss. It just reminds me of when she attacked on the the Kalberg all those years ago to take the world championships and rode away from everyone basically. Um, but again, it was really nice to see Elisa on that podium backing up after what would have been a very hard day for her yesterday. But it just goes to show what a champion she is to just, you know, put it behind a lineup today and then have a really good race. Yeah, we have a audio diary from Ruth Winder, who is Elisa Longoborghini's teammate. So let's hear what Ruth had to say. Hey, cycling tips, Ruth Winder again with Trek Segafredo, giving you day three. <laughs> Can't already be losing count on day three of the stages. A little recap, uh, just back in the hotel room after a pretty boring stage. uh, We had a pretty strong headwind the whole day, so it was really hard to encourage a breakaway of any kind. And all of the heavy climbing was in like the first 50 kilometers of the 142k stage. Um, So it was, yeah, like maybe one or two girls tried earlier on, but at that point you still have about 100k to go, so... Yeah, it just just didn't it wasn't really a course with the wind set up for a good breakaway today and we finished on a really steep about a kilometer climb which actually really suited us and with Elisa and Lizzie was finishes. So that was kind of just our goal, like look for good breakaways if it was the kind of day where it could be, but with the wind it came pretty apparent that no breaks would be going, so it was just kind of patrolling the front and then setting them up for the final which we did well and Elisa finished third so yeah really great day nothing really too exciting happened one point um Elisa did go right up the dirt and it was hilarious because Audrey Audrey is uh Audrey gives Elisa her bike if Elisa has a problem with the bike and uh Audrey saw that and she was just like Elisa I'm not giving you your spare my spare bike today if you're doing that 
um, which was, yeah, like a funny giggle throughout the radio at that point, but yeah, honestly, I'm feeling okay. My body isn't super happy with me, I'd say, but um, yeah, just, just here for the team and doing what I can, and I think that I'm able to do that, so that's good. It was good to get Elise on the podium. I think after yesterday, she was feeling pretty disappointed. Um, she loved being in that pink jersey. It meant oh so much to her to wear that uh, yeah, leader's jersey here at the yeah, Italian race. And she's, like I said, so proud to be Italian. So that was super cool. And I think after a little disappointment yesterday on her behalf, it was really cool to see her get on the podium again today and really hard finish. Um, yeah, I believe Voss won, which is no surprise to anybody that climb suits her really well um so congratulations to her and team um and yeah i'm gonna go and eat some food and have a lovely massage and i would say take a nap but it's five o'clock so probably just have dinner and go to bed hope you all enjoy listening along and i'll talk to you tomorrow so We'll just keep going with these audio diaries. The second one we have is from Brody Chapman, who is teammates with uh, Cecile Utrecht-Ludwig. So both of them, understandably, pretty stoked about how today went. Super successful stage today. Cecily was second behind Mariana Voss on this bloody wall of a climb. Um, It was crazy going into the climb. There was all sorts of lead-outs and wind and um, roundabouts in the way. So it it was pretty, pretty wild. Up until that point, it was kept pretty calm. Um, I was waiting patiently in a good position for a good breakaway to form, and I was a few attempts, but nothing was uh, being let go. I feel like, uh, I don't know, it was probably a little bit boring to watch up until that point. I think I, I mean, if I was on a small Italian team, I'd be trying to break away or, like, why not? Like, it would be super fun. Um, I feel like this race has been raced so far <laughs> on the downhills rather than the climbs it seems like there's quite a steady tempo kept up the climbs with everyone together and as soon as we get to the descent everyone just hits it full gas so um got to be pretty vigilant pretty focused and make sure you don't lose position there because that's that can happen um can split off the descent and uh can never get back but yeah today was awesome i mean it was such a beautiful countryside and um I'm just soaking it all up, taking it all in and trying to learn from the very best in the world that are around me. And it's pretty humbling to be in good company. And yeah. So tomorrow is stage four of the Giro Rosa and tomorrow is a really interesting day. So tomorrow is 170 kilometers long, which is actually 10 kilometers longer than UCI rules of how long a women's stage can be in a stage race. Not sure how they pulled that off, but they seem to be breaking all the rules at the Giro Rosa. So I don't know, face palm. <laughs> so, Lauren, what do you think They're of right this? Rules, <laughs> yeah, they do. They're like just in their own little world over there in Italy. Um, what do you think of this stage? It's going to be it's it's 170k, but it's not a short stage. It is. I mean, it's not an easy stage. It is like constantly up and down. Yeah, well, from memory, um, back when I was racing the Giro, when they were throwing that long day, it was usually around 140. And it was typically quite a flat day with maybe just a few little climbs in it. And the break would just go and the GC riders would be quite content to just let the break go and have a bit of a rest as it normally came about halfway through the tour. This is coming on day three um, of the tour, essentially. 
And it's, yeah, the longest stage I guess they, they've done in a stage race. Maybe, you know, in the Women's Tour de France years back they were, they were racing longer distances. Before but there I was think actually rules. Definitely... Yeah. Exactly. So um, it's going to be interesting. I'm curious to see how teams race it. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the likes of Trek Segafredo and FDJ really have a crack and, um, you know, just race the whole race essentially. But that being said, it's not normal that we have such a long stage. Um, I'd be curious to see how Mitchell and Scott handles it. I'm not too sure how they did today other um other than how Anamik featured in the race so yeah yeah I'm really curious it's going to definitely be an exciting race and I mean like you said with the profile it's, it's one thing looking at it but like how hard is this race actually going to be tomorrow so if the course is very tough then we're going to see huge time gaps and um I'm not what the sure what the uh what's it called? The time cut is for the Giro. Yeah. That'll be really interesting because this is an interesting question because yeah, if it's really yeah. hard. Yeah. And yesterday, yeah. yesterday there was a bunch of girls that got time cut. There was three girls. We talked with Yose on the preview podcast about some of the teams that we weren't quite sure why they were invited to the race. And a couple of those teams had half the team cut yesterday. So I don't think there will be a ton of time cuts today, but tomorrow we could see some time cuts. And going into tomorrow, it's really interesting how the riders have reacted to this because we have, on the one hand, Amanda Spratt was very critical of having this long stage and saying that in in men's racing, the reason that their races are so boring is because of the long distances. On the other hand, we had Cecile Utrecht-Ludwig, who said she was so excited to have this kind of test in a women's race, and she was thrilled about having this long stage. So I think that the race will be raced very, it, I, I have no idea how this is going to go, honestly. Like it it's really depends on, on the team and the individuals. I mean, if riders aren't scared to race 170 kilometers, like Anamik would not be scared to race it, right? We know that she regularly does those huge days. So this wouldn't scare a rider like uh, Amelia Farland. She's used to doing really big days. I know that for a fact. So some riders and some teams are going to deal with this distance a lot better, whereas the greener riders, for example, the younger ones, th- this is quite far. So they'd be more tempted, say, perhaps to race the race conservatively. But, I mean, if you've got nothing to lose and you're hunting a stage win, for example – this might be a really good opportunity to just really have a crack. But in terms of GC, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But um, uh, I still think that Annemiek has a good team around her. But the fact that Amanda Spratt doesn't find um, a reason to have this sort of distance in such a race might show that they're a bit intimidated by the distance. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that tomorrow could go one of two ways. It could be that everyone is scared and so nobody does anything and it's just a really boring 170K race. Or it could be that because of the nature of the of the profile, because it's still a lot of climbing and, and that could naturally blow the race apart. And then once the race is kind of whittled down a lot of the riders, then it could be really aggressive. So 
It could be a really yeah, exciting day. It could not. Huge, huge time gaps in. Yeah, I think that we're going to see that's... a lot of those smaller teams that got got invited and we didn't quite know why. I think we're going to see a couple of them down to like one rider or or none. Uh, I don't want to see that. Like, I don't want to see that. But um, this is a really hard edition of the Giro already. And with the way that racing is going this year, with not knowing whether the, the Ardennes are going to happen and all these question marks about the rest of the season. I mean, people are just full gas racing, right? And mm-hmm. the fact that one of the most aggressive riders in the peloton, Cecile Utrecht-Ludwig, is sitting, s- I want to say so close to um, Anami Van Vluten on GC, but she's still up over two minutes down. But she is in in third on the GC right now, fourth. Yep, she is. Yep. She's in fourth and, on G- on the GC, and the fact that she's excited about this course could mean that she is going to tackle this course tomorrow with like all guns blazing. Yeah, I don't think she's scared, and that's actually one thing I love about this rider is she will just have a crack. And I think it was was it in the Europeans of Plouay what she just kept trying and trying, even though she had nothing left. Mm-hmm. Um, she just kept giving it everything she had, even though maybe you know. The race was gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'll be following closely on Twitter to see what's happening during the race. Hopefully, we have um, some good updates to follow. And I know you said Amy Jones is on the ground there. Yep. Yeah. She she had a her and uh, her partner are there, and they're coming out with some really great content and also some really great photos. So there's some pretty hilarious photos of yesterday's gravel sector. Hilarious in like a really, you know, like, oh man, (laughs) way. How did that end up in the race? (laughs) (laughs) So thank you guys so much for listening to our stage three recap. As always, we will sign out with Hannah Barnes and Lauren. Thanks so much for joining me. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Abby. Speak to you tomorrow, perhaps. So that's stage three finished um very beautiful finish but a very painful one too um being the Giro they had a little bit of a change of heart with the final so last night they announced that there was the change of the finish and then this morning we had a team meeting and we guessed what the finish was going to be and then halfway through the stage it was confirmed what the finish would be so we had a 700 meter 15 percent average climb um which yeah changed it a bit compared to what it was meant to be and yeah we we actually reconned it so that was not ideal but we had an idea of what it was going to be so that was good but yeah no overall it was a good day it was pretty hard from the start with all the climbing and then yeah the very flat last 60k but yeah the last 20 kilometers it was quite hectic because everyone knew that they're the positioning going into the left-hand turn to the final was so important, but yeah, no, it was good. It was one for just the punchy rider, um, but yeah, GC's still still good. We've we're still with cash in third place, which is great, and the hotel also is super super nice, which is making me happy. I just yeah, it was nice because we were able to ride to the hotel from the finish line, which is super nice. You can have a proper shower and a bathroom in a hotel room which is nice and yeah even though I've just sat on the bed and eaten my lunch I can tell that this is going to be a comfy bed so yeah fingers crossed the pasta is also good